Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today, Micah Lassert. Let me tell you a little bit about Micah. So Micah is the co-founder of Hitch Fit Online Personal Training and Hitch Fit Transformation Gym in Kansas City, Missouri, with his wife, Diana, his partner. He's also co-owner of Soul Fit Retreats, where they lead through faith, fitness, and fun. Always a good thing to add in there. Micah is a muscle model, world champion, an Ironman Fitness Magazine cover model, a TV personality, author, and motivational speaker. So got some great diversity here. Micah is known for his motto in life, flex and smile. Love that, Micah. His passion for the past 25 years of his life has been helping transform people inside and out through proper lifestyle, positive choice making, nutrition, and fitness. Micah was a pioneer in the online personal training space. Starting in 2006, utilizing MySpace, that goes back a little white ways, making him one of the very first to do it. Since then, he and his wife have helped get this. Clients in 82 countries lose over 600,000 pounds. And their business, HitchFit, has consistently been rated one of the top online personal training businesses in the world for decades now. Micah, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, man. You ready for this? Man, I am ready for this. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here and get to hear a little bit of your story and experience and wisdom to share with our listeners today. I've shared just a brief overview of kind of what you're about, what you do, but take us back. Let us know, how did you get to be gracing the covers of fitness magazines and entrepreneur magazines and running all these amazing events and everything that you're doing? Well, I'll take you back to where it started. So most people know my story from around the age of 18 up until now and the success that's happened. I think it's very important to share how I got there to begin with. And, and in all honesty, it was a very, very brutal first 18 years of my life. I would move 30 times in 18 years. I was raised by a single parent mother that tried to do her best. We saw a lot of abuse, went through a lot of really horrific things. And I'll tell you what, like there were times that were really dark. There were times I was struggling with anxiety, depression, even suicidal thoughts. And by the grace of God and really fitness, it really helped shape and get my life back on track. When I went to college, I found fitness and ultimately within weeks, I'm starting to feel better. You know, because at this time, anxiety really had a hard grip on me. It really had taken control and really shaped me into somebody that I couldn't even identify as anything that I used to be inside. And when you go through a lot of pain and a lot of trauma, the people that are out there, like they know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. So you had to first overcome and go through the healing process of that. And then ultimately, I found fitness. I used that tool. I didn't go to drugs or alcohol or any of that. I used fitness, I used my faith and, and really worked extremely hard to get through healing. And I mean, when you go through really hard stuff in life, the fear is not as scary to you because you've already overcome so many challenges that the perception of, 
oh my gosh, that's a risk. It's just not the same. And so what I did, and I talk about this a lot, is I set at the age of 18, I was only 138 pounds at six foot. I set unrealistic goals. And most people say you need to set realistic goals. I did it. I was like, I'm going to be on that cover of the magazine that I'm reading right now. I'm going to get on stages. I'm going to do all of this stuff. Nothing that I'd ever seen, or I didn't even know anyone that had gone through and been on a cover of a magazine. And I lived in Kansas City. I love it here, but it's not a fit city. And so ultimately, step by step by step, I just lived this lifestyle that I've lived for decades now. And the doors were open. I stayed consistent, made really great relationships. And I worked really hard and achieved some uh, really amazing things. Wow. So I want to get this right. At the time, you were six foot and you weighed 138? 138. And that may be like sopping wet with some boots on. I, I mean, I was... I was very skinny and I got to be honest with you, some of the stuff that happened to me in the past, I went through some bullying from an adult bully. I, I was pretty popular in school. I didn't deal with any of that sort of struggle, but I had an adult bully that really tore me down. And so that was probably a main driver early on too. It probably came from more of an angry place than a wanting to succeed in life place. And I used that fuel of anger to like really almost heal myself. It was kind of, it's kind of crazy how that works. But yeah, 138 pounds. And, and I was like, I'm going to be on the cover of Iron Man or Muscle and Fitness. Those were like one of the two magazines. I got into Muscle and Fitness and I was on the cover of Iron Man. Wow. Wow. So, okay. What age were you at that six foot tall 138 when you finally said, you know what? I'm going to set this unrealistic goal of being on the cover of Iron Man or Muscle and Fitness magazine and I'm going for it. What age was that? I'll tell you exactly what happened. So I got to college at age 18. And I went to a small college, you know, it was kind of a culture shock to me in all honesty, because I was like, what do I do? Well, I've always wanted to get in like really good shape. And so I start working out and within weeks, yeah, obviously I wanted to build the muscle and whatnot, but it was so much more than that to me because of what I was dealing with, what it started doing to my mind and, and how it started subsiding my anxiety. I started seeing light again and started feeling stronger and more confident. And from that moment, I just started, it was unbelievable. And so like a month to two months into my working out, I'm like, I'm going to go do that one day. Like, that's what I'm going to go do. And then fast forward right after college, I met a guy at a gym and he, he pretty much said, Hey dude, you need to go be a fitness model. And, and ultimately he ended up giving me the fuel of, I was like, how do I do that? And he gave me one connection. And then I, I was like, this is it. I'm going to go do it. I love that story so much for so many reasons. I love the unrealistic goals. I love everything about it. So your first year of college, 138, you graduate college, you meet this guy, right? So four years later, five years later, whatever that time period was, what did you weigh when you graduated college? So I graduated college at around 175 or so. So in that period of time, I went to school for five years. I gained about 40 pounds. When I tell you that I was extremely disciplined, I was the kid, I didn't drink. I was living this bodybuilder lifestyle, eating as much food as I can, training. If I went out, because we'd go to the bars, we'd go to the clubs. I was still young and want to be around that, but I'd have to leave at 12 because I needed to go home and get enough sleep so I could wake up the next morning to to go work out on time. I was so disciplined. But a lot of that, again, Alan, a lot of that came from 
the fact that this new lifestyle in, in my mind had saved my life. And so I wanted this actionable deal of being on the cover of a magazine, but for me, it was giving me life. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's interesting because last week's guest who I interviewed was the national champion, but Olympic wrestler. And he was talking about the same sort of, I mean, his stories parallels yours in the sense that through like high school and college, you know, he had kind of, he could have gone one direction or the other, and it was the wrestling for him, yeah, the bodybuilding or the fitness, you know, stuff for you that gave you direction and purpose and a vision to say no to the distractions, to go home at midnight when everyone else was out till who knows when and make those positive little decisions, right? That amount to and compound to big things. I mean, how old are you now, by the way, Micah? I mean, you look amazing. I'm 44 now. So yeah, I, I mean, I have not stopped living the lifestyle since I made that decision back at 18. And What's really wild about the whole story is, is like, oh man, it saved my life. I felt great. I ended up achieving a lot of great things. But the biggest reward that I've been able to be a part of is the fact that I get to wake up every day and help others achieve what it feels like to wake up healthy. And I get so much out of it and so much joy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my why. Yeah. And I want to get to that, but just kind of thinking through the transition there. So you started in personal training. When did that kind of fit in? You know, you were a pioneer, I know, in the online space. Now, it seems like everywhere I turn, there's a personal trainer online, but you were one of the pioneers with MySpace. I mean, that's going back, yeah. right? A few years. So I, I, got a, I got a business marketing degree in college. I loved marketing, but I probably spent three to four more times on fitness, bodybuilding, kinesiology, nutrition. I was obsessed with it. I loved it. I mean, I love seeing the body transform in an amazing way. So when I graduated college, I went and got a real job. And I'll tell you, within six months, I was like, I can't do this. And it was paying me well, but I was like, I can't wake up and do this every day. I have to go do what I love. And so my family was kind of freaked out. They're like, you just spent five years in college. You spent all that money. And now you want to go be a personal trainer making like 10 or $15 an hour. And I was like, yes. That's what I want to go do because I knew that, yeah, I'm going to start at that point, but that's not where I'm going to stay. I'm going to grow this passion that I have into something, you know, at some point. And that's ultimately what I did. So personal training started at a couple of gyms and then it moved over into working kind of as an independent trainer at a smaller gym. And then from there, the online business came in 05. 06. And then in 08, I met my wife. 2009, we opened up the brick and mortar gym and Hitch Fit in general. Okay. So you do have a brick and mortar gym in, is it Kansas City or where? Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Okay. What's yep. the name of that gym? So it's Hitch Fit Gym. So we have Hitch Fit Online and Hitch Fit Gym. And what I did was the online business I started first. So that was a transformation model business that I really had to teach. The hardest part about that business was I had to teach the public what online personal training actually was because it wasn't on Google. You couldn't just look it up because it didn't exist. And how I even got into it, this girl on, on MySpace at the time, way back MySpace days, told, she was like, man, I love what you're doing with your clients locally. I wish I could work with you. And it was like a light bulb. And I was like, well, what if I just made you up a plan and you follow it and kind of communicate with me? And it was very generic at the time. She ended up losing 30 or 40 pounds. And I go, oh my goodness, I have something, but I'm trying to find what it even is. 
And so, you know, really kind of starting a new space for the most part, and then transitioning that into a legit business. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to look back at it because I was broke living in an attic and just on my space, like really trying to figure it all out. Yeah. I love that story. And so where did the modeling come in, in the timeline? It's at the exact same time. So 2001, when I was a personal trainer, that individual, David, that I had spoke about, he came up to me and he was kind of, he had been in the acting world. He was a dancer at one point, And he's just like, man, you are so passionate about this fitness stuff. You need to go be a fitness model. And I remember thinking I want to be on covers of magazines, but I didn't even know how to even do that. I didn't know anyone or any photographers and any of that. And I'm telling you that one line, he was like, you need to be a fitness model. And then I was like, I'm going to go be a fitness model. I didn't even know what it was, you know? And sure enough, fast forward, let's see, that was 01, 02, 2005. I was on the cover of my first magazine in fitness. Wow. I, I used my space to make connections in LA, New York, when at the time it wasn't about likes, it wasn't about engagement. It was really about making relationship capital within this industry and showing up in shape on time and doing what I needed to do to, to ultimately land a cover of a magazine or a feature or whatnot. And I met my wife through the fitness industry. I mean, it's just crazy how it all came together. What year was it that you were on the front cover of Iron Man magazine? So Iron Man was actually 2015. I had stopped modeling for four years after I won a world championship in 2011. And I went to this seminar and this guy gave us a challenge of going, I want you to set a big goal and I want you to get it done in a year. Write it down right now. And I wrote down, I want to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness or Iron Man. And six months later, I was. Wow. I had this level of discipline and locking in, and I had made enough relationships at that time that getting on the cover wasn't as difficult as it was early on, but you got to still put the same discipline in and the same work, and you still got to make the relationships and you got to be good to people and you got to work hard. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you think the key to that was? And you just answered it, but I'll ask a different question just in general. I mean, you're having a ton of success. At 44, I think you said years old, you've done a lot, you're doing a lot, continuing to, to do a lot of great things. What would you say is one of the keys to your success for our listeners that they might be able to apply some way and somehow maybe in their life? I think it comes down to two things. The first thing is aligning your mindset with the word discipline properly. And so a lot of people look at discipline as losing freedom when discipline is actually gaining more freedom. And the other thing that I would really hone in on is consistency, being consistent with making sure that you're continuing to press towards your goals. I had just got to a point, Alan, where my why was bigger than my quit. And if you build a big enough why and you don't quit, you're going to eventually get there. Yeah, that's so good. Such great advice. What'd you say about discipline gain? I was writing some notes and I didn't write them very well to read my own notes, but I know it was good. That's why I wanted to write it down. But you said your discipline is gaining more freedom. Yeah. So a lot of people look at discipline as something that they're going to lose freedom through. 
because they look at it as hard. It's going to create pain and whatnot, where what discipline does is it actually creates freedom in your life so that you no longer are in bondage of anything else. Yeah. Can you give an example of that? I mean, I, I love that. And so much so I'd love for you just to pick anything. Well, I'll stay in my space in, you know, my space of genius. And that comes down to I know, and I'm personally passionate about this, how many people have extremely bad relationships with food. Right. And and it's not talked about a lot the same way that maybe drugs or alcohol or something like that's talked about, yet it kills 10 times the amount of people. And so for me, when I look at nutrition and the discipline of eating healthy on a regular basis. And I'm not saying perfection. I'm not saying chicken and broccoli all day. I'm saying a healthier menu all day. What it does to change everything about your life, everything about your children, your spouse, your friends, your circle, your choices, your anxiety, your depression, it's all connected in those controllable choices. And so getting a little bit more discipline with your food or a little bit more discipline with your workout or your faith, what this does is it it builds this better version of yourself so that you can go out and live your purpose and make the impact that you're intended to make. So good. So good. And the sooner people realize that, the better off they're going to be. I know life is an energy game. Marriage, business, everything is an energy game. And it's amazing how fitness, health, nutrition, the things you're talking about, play a big, huge role in that. And until someone makes some changes and experiences the effects of it, it's hard to maybe for some people to believe that. But like you said, it's huge. I think to go even deeper, because we work so often with just the mindset of an individual, it's so much more than a diet or a workout. It's about reshifting their mind to create this new identity of themselves. It almost becomes a part of your DNA. It is a non-negotiable in your life. As much as the air that we breathe, it becomes a non-negotiable in your life because most people wake up and have no idea what it actually feels like to be healthy. And that saddens me. Like I want people to understand that because it literally just changes the game for everything in your life. Whether you're an entrepreneur and want to make more money and want more balance in your life, you know, you're a stay-at-home mom and want to be your best parent. It doesn't matter. It, It comes in and shapes and changes your life. 100%. I love it. Hey, on your way to all the success that you've had, Micah, if you could just share with our listeners, maybe one or more of the bigger challenges you've had to face along the way. Oh, so with success, there comes a lot more failures. I've gotten way more no's than I got yes. So yeah, I've gotten on covers of magazines. I won world championships, but I lost more times on stage than I won. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that happened recently that was one of the most difficult challenges that we've ever had to navigate. And it happened earlier this year. One of my very, very good friends, and he happened to be a business partner in our retreat business. In February of this year, we got a call and he tragically died. And this guy was one of our best friends. We were five weeks out from a retreat that we were supposed to host. This guy was bigger than life. A lot of those people that were going were going because they were connected to him. And the challenge of going through my own healing and grieving, but also having to be a leader and a mentor for these people and pour into these people that are also struggling, man, it took a lot of faith to get through that. What we witnessed was absolutely beautiful. 
but that was an extremely hard challenge, an extremely hard storm to go through when it's so tragic and it's so sudden. And I think you see something that's going to last for a long time. And then instantly it kind of gives you some perspective of like, we don't know how long we're here but make the most of the time that you do have. That's probably one of the bigger challenges that we've ever had. Yeah, I know that's tough, by the way. I I have a similar story. Actually, mine was on the Friday of a three-day retreat that my wife and I were hosting. That Friday evening, starting that same day, I got the call my brother took his life. So that was a a, a much compressed time period than, you know, five weeks, but I can still relate and identify because in those hours and in those minutes, there's so many thoughts that went through my head. Cancel the retreat. Don't cancel the retreat. People have flown in from all over, you know, all the things, right? Things you're talking, you were dealing with, like they're coming, they're expecting him, this, that, and the other, whatever. So my question though is, did you have some of those thought, like, how did you deal with negative thoughts or reactions or emotions and all that? How do you deal with that? How did you deal with that? Or any tips for dealing with that, for going through a difficult time and still being able to go, hey, I've got my mission. I got my vision. I can't just lay down and do nothing, right? I got to get back up at some point. But how did you process through all that, I guess? Yeah, so we're very faith-driven. My wife and I, foundationally, we're very faith-driven. That helped a tremendous amount. A part of the story that I didn't share was about a month after he passed, I had a super crazy calf tear that was a grade three calf tear. And my calf blew up like three inches bigger. I can't put any weight on it. And I built like a crazy, because I had to walk on sand. I had to do all these things as being a mentor. I can't like limp around at this retreat. So I'm not even lying in 21 days. I got it about to 90%. I have a video on Instagram and it hit like 32 million views, like crazy viral. And it shared it. But what I'll tell you is, is like, I was struggling physically. I was struggling emotionally. And so the only thing I had left to lean on was my faith. And that's what we ended up doing. And just knowing that this was bigger than just my feelings and my wife, Diana's feelings, there was all these people that were counting on us. So I made a commitment to those people. And so I was going to show up and give every ounce of myself. And I did. It was very challenging. I mean, there was a lot of tears during that retreat. I'm sorry, the loss of your brother you know, you can attest it's a very similar type of situation, but you get through it and there's something beautiful as well that happens after something tragic sometimes. And we saw a lot of those type of miracle type things that happened. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to my next question is for you personally, Micah, how do you view challenges in your life now? Like looking back and even like knowing there's others ahead, hopefully it's not that same kind of challenge, but we just don't know, right? We just don't know what the future holds. And we do know that more challenges are ahead, some big, some small, some we've never experienced before. That's life. Yeah. So what is your perspective of them? I mean, just in general, I know that's kind of a wide open question. This is going to be kind of nuts for some people, but I actually look at challenges now. Now, the death of a close friend, I I do not want that. that. That's horrific. I'm talking about day to day challenges. I'm talking about something within the business or whatnot. I start looking at it almost as a blessing. And here's why. 
Because every challenge that we go through or every storm or setback that we go through, to me, is an opportunity of growth. I'm either going to get some education, I'm going to build more resilience, I'm going to build more focus and discipline through those things. So those challenges, I start looking at quite a bit differently. I also encourage people that like really look at how you respond to things. Sometimes we blow little things way bigger than they should. And when in reality, it's a temporary situation that, you know, in time it will be fixed and it will be mended and it will be healed and we can move on from it. A lot of the challenges that we've gone through in the last year, look at them like you can't even remember three, four, seven, right? You know, because once they got checked off the box, then you were moved on. What we do know, though, is that challenges will be constant, just like changes. And I kind of use the analogy of you got to get good at hitting the curveball and and you got to learn how to hit it. You can hit the fastball great, but fastball is perfection. You know, it's coming right down the plate. Whereas, whereas a curveball, you got to really set back and sometimes hold yourself back for it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I look at challenges. So good, Micah. I love that. One piece of advice that you'd love to give your younger self, if you could go back and do so, I'm sure there's plenty. What would be one thing you'd love to say if you had the opportunity? That you're going to make it, that you're going to get through. Again, I went through some extremely challenging years where almost every day I had thoughts of how the heck am I going to make it through this? Like when you lose hope and you don't have that, I know this is pretty deep, but like there's going to be a lot of people that will understand what I'm saying. Like there's no light anymore. And what I'll tell you is, is just keep trying to get through, just keep putting your head down like a bison and keep continuing to go through the storm. Just get through it. Just get through it. Another day, another challenge, another choice. Keep pressing forward. That's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, I love that. Tell me a little bit more about your retreats before I move into some other questions I want to ask you. Well, what are your retreats like? What is the objective, the purpose? How often do you have them? How big are they? So we usually have two retreats a year. We're going to expand these here in the future, but we have a really beautiful beach type destination retreat. Our next one is in May of next year in Playa del Carmen, a beautiful resort. And what we do is we get an amazing community together, usually between 50 and 100 people, and we build a very safe environment. So what we do is we go through a lot of different things, people that are struggling with trauma or people that are struggling with pain or people that that need more help as a business owner or a leader or a mentor. We do a lot of different uplifting and mentoring type things with these individuals. And so these people end up opening themselves up. We build this community for them, and then we pour ourselves into them. We have some amazing mentors, whether it be in the faith realm, they need to find more balance or, or fitness and health. We bring them down to Tulum Jungle Gym. We'll do that again this year, which is a really cool gym down in Tulum. We have a lot of fun together, and we'd spend four or five days with these people and pour into them. One thing that we know is... I have an amazing circle of people around me. It's something that I've really been intentional about for many years. There's a lot of people in this world that don't have anybody in their circle. And so if we can build those communities for people, 
that they can be a part of. They feel a part of a family that loves them, that will pour into them. And that's that's what we create at the retreats. The second retreat that we do is an adventure retreat. So we go on these like wild hikes in, in Asheville, North Carolina with zip lining and whitewater rafting. We kind of do some fear stuff and, and really get them through those sorts of challenges with a similar theme of really pouring into them and helping them heal through something. And then we have the conference as well, which is I think 37 days away from now. So we have 14 speakers now, 14 speakers that are going to have a similar feel that we do at the retreats, but more in a conference setting. Wow. And where is your conference? It's in, that's coming up this month in January. Yeah. January 26th through the 28th. It's in Tampa, Florida. It's called the lean in level up conference. So we named it that because you're at the end of January. We know that a majority of people have already fallen off of the resolutions at that point. Right. So we want to make this year for people, this ability of leaning into their challenges, their setbacks, their barriers and leveling up in their life. And we're going to give them the tools to be able to do that and carry home with them. I love it. I love it. I think Tony Robbins, I, I heard say, quote a statistic that January 14th or January 17th, it was somewhere around mid-January, let's just say that to be safe, significant number, more than 50% had already given up on their New Year's resolutions, not even three weeks into the year. Have you heard something like that before? Yeah. And the, and the crazier statistic than even that is, is all the resolutions that are built, only eight to 9% end up getting to those goals. Eight to 9% of all the resolutions. Yeah. I mean, that's that's nuts. And so I think we got to teach this in a different way and, and really, again, go deeper individuals and really build this creating a new identity for yourself that is really surrounded about how to not only get you to your goal, but ultimately stay there. Right. Absolutely. Hey, do you have like a favorite success quote that you'd be willing to share with our audience? The quote that I always say, and it just makes sense, and a lot of people will think it's aesthetic, but it's not. I say flex and smile. The reason I say that has nothing to do with big muscles. Hey, dude, yes. It doesn't have to do with big muscles. You don't have to be in shape for this. What it is, is that you are an overcomer. You have gone through the challenges in life, and you're able to flex through that now and smile through that when at some point in your life, you were so beaten down, you were so weak, you were so just unhappy. And that's ultimately kind of the method that I teach in, in general with my crowd. So yeah, I love it. flex and smile. I love <laughs> it. Flex and smile, baby. What is one habit, Micah? Obviously, you know, you've had a lot of success. What is one habit that you could point to that you could share with our audience that you would say has attributed to largely to your success? I have a really crazy habit. <laughs> Let's hear um, it. I encourage people to do this, but it's going to sound like absolutely mad to most people. So I wake up naturally with no alarm every single day at 2.30 to 3 a.m. Wow. And I have this very specific non-negotiable structure that I start with in the morning. And it has been a come a habit. It's not just one thing, it's multiple things, but it keeps me my very, very best. And I'm a huge pusher of waking up early. And the reason so is because there's no distractions at 2.30 or 3 in the morning. It is literally maybe the only time of the day that you're going to have pure silence. So if you need to get 
right with the Lord, if you need to work out, if you need to get into some reading, if you need to be creative, like it is probably the absolute best time to do it. And I know some people are like, dude, I go to bed at 1 a.m. There's no way that would happen. Well, I had to kind of build that schedule and that habit myself, but that has been a game changer for me. And so regardless, we travel a lot. We travel 130 days a year, no matter where I'm at, I run the same schedule. So I got to have a gym. I got to have all these things in place, but it keeps me being my best version so I can be my best version for everyone else. I love it. What is your typical to bedtime? How many hours are you sleeping if you're up at 2.33? Yeah, so I usually go to bed somewhere around 8 p.m. So I'm really good with about six hours. When I go through different phases of the year, so me and my wife still challenge ourselves physically, by getting in like photo shoot shape and whatnot. So that schedule is quite a bit more demanding during that maybe three month period of time that, that we get prepped for that. So I'll take more naps during that particular phase, but most of the time I'm really good for six hours of sleep and I'm, I'm really solid from about 2.30, a.m. all the way up till 8 p.m. or so. So when you say that you take more naps or you'll take naps during those three-month photo shoot prep times where you're cutting, I guess, and less calories, and I'm guessing training even more, is it mainly because of the less calories you need more sleep or is it because of the increased training or a combination of both? Yeah, so, so I actually do it a little bit different. I actually start increasing my overall caloric intake as I do way more workload. So what ends up happening is I'm tired just plainly because the leaner that I get, my natural energy is lower. And for whatever reason, this really weird thing happens that the leaner that I get, my mind wakes up sooner. So if I wake up at 3 a.m. on a normal time, I may wake up at 1.45 or 2. And then I can't go back to sleep. And then I'm like, well, I, I better just start the day. So I know that I have to kind of schedule in some times where even 15 minutes and I can go to bed like really quickly. I like knock out. I can never watch a show with my wife. She gets so mad. It's because the minute I lay down, I can go to sleep in like 30 Same seconds. Here. Same here. <laughs> yes, I'm out. And, yeah. and so ultimately, I kind of schedule those naps in. The other thing is, is I keep those in for recovery. I got to do everything that I can to keep my body recovered with that workload. The older that I've gotten to, I can still get in incredible shape, but the recovery, your body is slower and there's more aches and pains. We hear that, but it, it's the truth. You're tired, you're, you're sore. So, so yeah, I, I just try to rest as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. At 51 years old, I, I can attest to that. And you know what? I just keep thinking, it just inspires me just to keep getting better get better with my nutrition, get better with my sleep, get better with my workouts, get better with everything. It gets harder. So we got to keep getting better, right? I mean, there is no other option. I mean, to me, I'm just like, why not? Yeah. Like, why not? Well, you, if we only get one life to live, like, let's go all out. Let's do it. That's right. I love it. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice? Is there any advice that comes to mind that someone else maybe gave you, Micah, that was like instrumental in your life? Like, that's a good piece of advice that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, very early on, I was probably 12 years old, 11 or 12. My mom signed me up for big brothers and big sisters. And so I got a big, and he was the first entrepreneur type of individual I had ever met in my life. We were poor, we didn't have a lot. And uh, he was in his thirties, 
really fantastic guy. And I remember we were driving one day and he looked over at me. He knew I, I had this built in discipline because I just wanted to be more than I had ever seen, but I didn't know how to get there. And he looked over at me and he goes, Micah, if you work hard, you work smart and you work honest, you can accomplish anything you want in your life. I'm an 11 year old kid. This guy is like a mentor to me, you know, and he was only in my life for a short amount of time, but I was like, that's how I'm going to live, you know, and that's how I'm going to get successful. But over all these years, I've still applied that same exact wisdom that he ended up giving me and be good to people, work hard, don't burn bridges, make good relationships. Yeah, that's it. So good. Work hard, work smart, work honest. Yep. Very simple. And an 11 year old's going to get it, but a, a 50 year old will get it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Evergreen and application. I love that. Is there any book, any one book that maybe stands out to you that you think, hey, I, this is a good recommendation to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? Purpose Driven Life is fantastic. There's another one that I really love about perception called The Noticer from Andy Andrews and then Atomic Habits. I mean, it's a go-to. A lot of people know that book, but it's really fantastic. I think a mixture of those three kind of hit three different pillars of your life. So the Atomic Habits, the Purpose Driven Life, and then what was the middle one? The middle one was called The Noticer. It's a book by Andy Andrews. It's built about looking at things in a different way. It's all created around perception and how we view things and how you can shift your perception to really succeed at almost anything. I love it. What is uh, Micah's definition of success? Have you ever thought about that much? I have. And I'm really at the point in my life where I'm able to access that fully because I needed to go through a lot of healing myself to, I think, get through that and, and heal from any pain that I have so I can fulfill the purpose that I believe that I'm on this earth for. My purpose now is to wake up and ultimately help other people go through the same challenges that I had or something that's somewhat relatable and heal through that. That's where I'm at right now. To me, that's success. Sometimes that's money in a bank account that was never for me. When I walk into my gym and seeing thousands of before and after pictures on the wall and knowing I was a part of that, that's success to me. I want to make lasting impact in an individual's life that can shift or pivot their life in a way that they can trickle that down to every facet of their life and person that they care about in their life. Love it. So when you think about the future, which we all, all do, what right now would you say, maybe it's something you're working on, maybe it's just a bigger picture theme of your life. What would you say is exciting you or excites you about the future when you think about it? Well, just starting this new business with SoulFit and then the conferences, I'm very excited to get on more stages. I'm excited to be on podcasts just like this and, and to meet new relationships. I think relationship capital is one of the most powerful tools and things that we can have as humans and really face-to-face -face stuff of being able to make that impact. Where that goes, I have no idea, but I'll use the same disciplines, the hard work, the work honest, just like I did to accomplish everything I did before and apply that to what is in the future for us. Sounds like an exciting future, applying those same <laughs> principles that got you to where you are right now, Micah. How can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey, maybe even learn more about things that you offer? Yeah, so hitchfit.com 
is our fitness business, soulfitretreats.com is our retreat business. And then Michael Lassert on LinkedIn, Facebook, on Instagram, it's Mr. Hitch Fit. I do like a lot of calves stuff on there. I, I have this other passion of helping guys with skinny calves that weren't born with big calves grow bigger calves. It's just kind of a funny little thing that I built there. But yeah, I love doing that as well. <laughs> Is that because that's the guy you used to be? Did you used to have skinny calves? Because I know you don't now. Yeah, I 100% was the kid that got made fun of too for having those skinny legs and those chicken legs and whatnot. And then I ended up getting world champion calves. My name on Instagram is King of Calves. And I built that because I know so many guys struggle with that same insecurity. And calves are the most ridiculously hard muscle group to grow. Yeah. You know, we're on them all day. And so if you're not built with big calves and came out the womb that way, it is difficult. But over the years, I've gained a lot of knowledge on how to stimulate the muscle growth for the calf. And so <laughs> I know it's like this really niche thing, but I'm like, hey, man, I know there's guys struggling out there and I want to help them too. I love it. I mean, that is about as niche as you can get, unless yeah. <laughs> you want to go down to 44-year-old th males that want larger calves. But I mean, that's, that's right. Neat, man. That's, <laughs> that's <neat>. right. <laughs> I love it. Man, if you guys haven't seen uh, his Instagram, definitely check that out. And we'll put all the links that Micah just mentioned down in the show notes so you can access all of those. Micah, this has been awesome, man. I, I want to just thank you for making time to come on here with all the busyness and amazing stuff you're working on. I'm going to give you the last comment. Anything you want to share on the way out with our Life's Hard Succeed Anyway listeners? Yeah, I would just tell all you folks, you deserve to be healthy. You deserve to be happy. I would look at each day and just start with the controllable that you have in your life, just make positive choices. You know, one choice at a time, it doesn't have to be drastic, but one choice at a time, your people, your places, your things in your life. I just want you to wake up and feel what it feels like to be healthy. That's what it is. And I encourage you, I challenge you to go make that happen in your life. That's a great word to go out on. Thank you, brother. This has been awesome. Thank you, man. What a blessing. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.